several years ago after Sydney and I had had our second son, and I had this kind of random conversation with my dad, and he made a statement that has stuck with me for nearly six years now. He said, Dave, your, your job as a parent is not to raise really good boys. We, we've got three boys. He said, your job as a parent is not to raise really good boys. It's to raise really good men. Because the, the goal of parenting is to not perpetuate their eternal child, childlike behavior. You know, the, the goal of parenting is to set them on a trajectory that will move them in toward, towards maturity. And so Sydney and I, have, we've talked about that so many times as we're raising our boys going, okay, what does it look like to take this moment in parenting and, and use it towards their growth um, as, as men? And that applies to men and women. You know, the, the, the goal is to just raise us up into mature people, right? So I remember uh, recently, one of my sons, he was struggling with something at school, this situation that he didn't know how to deal with, that he didn't know how to face. And he woke up one day and said, hey, I don't wanna go to school today. And we're like, why don't you wanna go to school? He's telling us all about it. He's like, I don't wanna go. And, and we're kind of talking through it. And, and uh, we, we realized, man, this is something he can face. It's gonna be hard, but he needs to face it. And I remember Sydney and I talking with him saying, hey, you know, part of being a man is you don't run from hard things. You don't ignore hard things. You don't pretend that hard things aren't there, but when, when hard things come, you walk into it, you face it. We've got this little thing that we do with our boys. It's kind of like a little inside code. Whenever we're on the same page, we'll look at each other. We'll just kind of do two beats of the chest, you know? And so we're driving all the way to school that morning and he and I are talking and he's nervous and I pray over him and he gets out of the car and he's walking in to the front of the school and I'll never forget, he turns around at the door and he looks at me just like this. And I started weeping, like he, he was being a man and I was falling apart in my 1988 Buick. I mean, I'm just like losing it, you know? And, and uh, I go, that's, that's what we do. We, we face hard things. My friend Todd, who's one of our elders here, he just shared a story with me recently that just struck me. He's telling me the difference between cows and buffalo. And this is true. You can look it up on YouTube, see some amazing videos. But in the wild, like when a storm is coming, cows will turn and try to run away from the storm. And, you know, they learn pretty quickly that you can't outrun the storm, and so they just stay in it longer. But a buffalo out in the wild is totally different. The moment the wind comes over the mountain ridge, they turn headlong into the wind. They face it straight on. They run through the storm so they get through it quicker. I've been thinking of those kind of stories this week and kind of the moment that we're in as a church because I'm convinced that as followers of Jesus, God has not made you to ignore the storms, to run from the storms, to deny the storms, but to face the storms. And the reason we face the storms is not because we're so tough and so powerful and so courageous. The reason we face the storms is because we know that the one who can calm the storms is in the boat with us. So what Joshua 1.9 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you. It's the presence of God amongst the people of God that gives us the ability to face some of the difficult things that we don't wanna face. You know, this, this morning, I wanna talk about a storm that has come to our family here. And uh, we're gonna talk about a moment of sexual abuse that happened in our church family. And we're not gonna run from it. We're not gonna hide from it. We're not gonna deny it. We're gonna face it because that's what the people of God do. And I know in a room like this, we have all these different experiences. Some of you have been abused. In this conversation, it is gonna be painful. 
It is gonna be scary. It is gonna be sad. It is gonna bring up anger. And I just want you to know, you have permission to feel everything you need to feel today. You don't have to be put together for anybody sitting next to you. You feel what you need to feel. There's some of us in the room who may not be, uh, maybe you weren't abused, but maybe you did the abusing. And you're gonna have all sorts of feelings and fears and things that are raising up in you. And one of the things I've been praying for you all week long is just that the spirit of God would, would convict you and that the spirit of God would begin his work of restoration in you. That is this unusual combination of both justice and mercy, grace and truth colliding in the context of your life. For some of you in the room, maybe abuse is not a part of your story, but I guarantee you somebody that you know and love has been affected by it. And so this morning, I just wanna invite all of us as we sit under the weight of this conversation to really allow the Lord to do what only the Lord can do because here's what I'm convinced. I'm convinced that the enemy has overplayed his hand that Jesus is bringing something to the surface and that he deeply and passionately wants to bring about healing and restoration for every single one of us that are involved. In a culture that makes, uh, makes every excuse it can to hide things like this, we wanna be the people of God and say, hey, let's, let's deal with this. And so I wanna tell you about what happened. I wanna tell you all that we know and I'm not telling you this to be explicit or to be shocking, but to be helpful because I know that wherever I leave a gap, your imagination will create a much more uh, dangerous narrative. So I'm just gonna tell you what we know while protecting the innocent. So a couple of weeks ago, we, we got a phone call. Uh, one of our pastors received a phone call from a family whom we know, whom we love, whom we trust, and who we believe. And they called and they, they began to tell us a story about one of their children He's an elementary school age boy. And uh, he had this memory from something that took place here at church uh, months ago. We don't know the exact timeline, but it took place months ago. Uh, this incident did not happen in our kids' space. It did not happen in a secured area. It, it happened in the men's public restroom right behind the bar. Um, all of you men know where that's at. And this, this young boy, he had the courage to tell his parents about this memory. His parents had the courage to call us. And they, they told us that what happened was uh, during the middle of the, the teaching time, so their son was sitting with them in the service. He left to go to the restroom by himself and he was standing at one of the urinals. And as he was standing at the urinal, a man that he did not know, whom we still don't know who this person is, a man came up beside him, uh, took a piece of toilet paper, bent down and touched the end of the little boy's genitals and then walked out of the room. Uh, this happened months ago, but the little boy didn't remember it until uh, a few weeks ago when he called us. And immediately we, we went, okay, how do we respond to this? And so we got around the family and we began to, to care for the family and love the family. And by the grace of God, at least from what the parents are sharing with us and what we can tell, this boy is not experiencing uh, any long-term trauma. Uh, he's, he's not experiencing any uh, unnecessary shame. He's confused. It was scary, but he had the courage to come and tell his parents. And so we got around them and said, hey, how do we love this family? How do we care for this family? Walk with them. Um, and, and then we started going, okay, uh, 
like, what's our responsibility to the authorities? And so we, we called the district attorney and we said, hey, here's what happened during one of our church services. We want you to know. We wanna, we wanna seek justice in this. We don't know what that looks like. And so we reported this as soon as we knew to report it. Uh, then we started looking at kind of our policies as a church. We looked at our, our safety procedures, and by the grace of God, we have some amazing safety procedures in place, but we went, hey, there's some ways that we can take our safety to the next level. And so we've begun to install some cameras in like the common areas of the building, and uh, we're in the process of um, installing urinal dividers in the men's restroom. We put signs on the doors. Uh, today, all of you that are parents, you're gonna get an updated copy of our, our child protection policy just to refresh you on what we're trying to do. And so we, we looked over all of that, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, Brandon and I sat down with our elder team and we said, hey, here's everything we just found out. Now we've got to figure out our responsibility to the church. And we thought, hey, here's the deal. We're not an organization, we're, we're a family. We're the people of God and families have got to walk in the light when it comes to things like this. And if I was sitting in your seat and I knew that I knew what I know, I'd want you to tell me. So I'm standing before you just humbly, submissively saying, I'm not telling you this to scare you or to shock you, but to say, hey, what does it look like to be the people of God as we move into this? Because the, the reality is you see this all around us. The Me Too movement this past year brought this to the light and we realized that things like this are happening in every corner of our culture. These things are happening uh, in the White House. They're happening in the schoolhouse. They're happening in some of your houses. These things are happening in the Catholic church and in the Protestant church and among those who don't go to church. Like these things are happening. And so the question that I want us to wrestle with this morning and in light of this kind of heavy incident is I want us to just go, okay, what does it look like to be the people of Jesus in times like this? Like, how do we as followers of Jesus turn our faces into the wind? Not running from the storm, hiding from the storm, denying the storm, trying to PR the storm. How do we put our faces into the wind and say, hey, Jesus, take us through this? Because I believe Jesus wants to bring such unbelievable healing to us. And so there's just kind of three, three things that I want us to hold on to this morning. If you take notes, I'll just give you the first one. And the first one is this. As the people of God, we stand with the vulnerable. Guys, we stand with the vulnerable. That is always our first move. That is always our first move. I love the words of Proverbs chapter 3. Or 31, verse eight, it says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are being crushed. This is part of what we do as followers of Jesus. Like, like we speak up with the vulnerable. We work for justice for the vulnerable. We seek righteousness for the vulnerable. This is what the people of God are supposed to do. Or Micah chapter six, verse eight, it says, know, O people, that the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. Do what is right, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. I go, what do the people of Jesus do when we discover things like this in our workplaces or in our homes, in our neighborhoods or in our church? We, we start by standing with the most vulnerable. This, this means we, we love them, we protect them, we believe them, we side with them, we, we, we come around them, we walk with them, no matter how uncomfortable or scary that may be at times. History 
almost always takes the side of the most powerful. But the people of God have been put here on earth to stand with the powerless. And as the people of Jesus, this is what we're being invited into. And so we stand. We stand with the most vulnerable. And there's some of you in, in this room and you've experienced abuse. And I just wanna say this as clearly as I know how to say. It was not your fault. It was not your fault. What happened to you is terrible. And in this community, we will seek to love you, believe you, stand with you, and protect you. Because that's what the people of God do. Part of standing with the vulnerable means that we have to understand uh, what it looks like to walk, not with those that have been hurt, but also with those that have done the hurting, those that have done the abusing. And, and you need to hear this. Like, as we seek to be a community that stands with the vulnerable, for those of you that have abused or may, maybe have abusive tendencies or behavior, you just need to know. You need to know that we will not tolerate any form of abuse in this church family whatsoever. We will not tolerate it. And we will love you, we will walk with you, but we will seek justice. We will seek righteousness. And we will let God help us in the midst of all of that messiness understand what mercy and love and redemption look like together. That we'll be a place marked by grace and truth. And what we're praying for is just absolute repentance because it's one of the ways that God protects the vulnerable. So the body of Christ, we stand up, we speak for, we protect, and we love. And we know that the grace of God can restore everybody, but we always start by standing with the vulnerable. Secondly, we don't just stand with the vulnerable, but we, we shine light in the darkness. We shine light into the darkness because we know that when light comes into the darkness, darkness ceases. Like whenever light appears, darkness is gone. I don't know if you ever had one of those moments where you're in a, a room and it's kind of scary and it's dark and all of a sudden the light's turned on and all of a sudden all of the shadows have been revealed for what they are and they're no longer is terrifying. I love the description of Jesus in John chapter one. Look at this, it'll be on the screen. It says, in the beginning was the word. This is talking about Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that picture of Jesus. This light in the middle of the darkness. Ephesians chapter five, verse 13 says this. But everything that has been exposed by the light becomes visible. Everything that is illuminated becomes light. As the people of God, I go, one of the ways that we, we disarm the work of Satan among us is whenever we recognize places of darkness, we just invite Jesus all the way in. We say, hey, Jesus, would you come into this, this dark corner of our lives? Would you come into this dark corner of our church? And would you, Jesus, in your presence and in your power and in your way, do what only you're capable of doing? And so as the people of God, it's not just that we stand with the vulnerable, it's that we, we literally invite Jesus to come in and to shed the light of his presence into the things that we don't know how to talk about. 
You know, our, our culture loves to joke about sex. But when it comes to sexual brokenness, we don't know how to talk about it. When it comes to sexual abuse, we don't know how to handle it. But as the people of God, we just say, hey, Jesus, come all the way in. And would you, Lord, would you, Lord, illuminate the shadows so that the enemy has to flee? Something happens when we allow the Lord to bring those places of darkness into the light. Uh, you know, recently, my, my six-year-old son, Jack, he was, he was, I could just tell he was wrestling with some things. And I kept asking him, hey, what, what are you wrestling with? And, and he wouldn't share it with me. He didn't want to share it with me. I said, hey, you can tell me anything, buddy, because, because freedom is found in the light. And so he opens up to me. He says, hey, Dad, uh, the devil has been putting some mean thoughts and some bad words in my head. And I'm like, okay, you can tell me. And so he starts telling me some of these mean thoughts. He starts telling me some of the bad words that had been going through his little six-year-old brain. You can just imagine how bad they actually were. And he gets to the end of sharing that with me, and I can tell he's still kind of holding on to something. And, and I said, buddy, what else is in there? Like, you can tell me. It's where you find freedom. And he was just so scared to tell me. He looks at me, and he says, Dad, sometimes the devil even gives me bad thoughts about you. And I'm like, okay, we can go there. We can handle it. Like, tell me, like, wh what's a bad thought about, about me? <laughs> and, and he looks at me, and I, I'll never forget this. I, I'll tell this story at his wedding, I'm sure, like, he looks at me and he says, Dad, sometimes I just see you standing over there and I just think in my brain, man, that guy is so stupid. <laughs> True. <laughs> so I don't know how your week was. Um, but, I, but I'm like, man, I don't know if you hung out with the devil or your mother, but uh, they have similar opinions at times. And I know, I know that seems so silly, but have you ever been on that threshold? Like, you're just like right there on the threshold, and, and you know that there's something that you need to share, but you're just not sure your father can handle it? Guys, your father can handle it. He can handle it. He can handle it. As followers of Jesus, we stand with the vulnerable. We shine light in the darkness. And number three, we live with the hope of heaven. <laughs> we live with the hope of heaven. You know, you look at what's going on in our culture and it would be easy to come to this conclusion that there is nothing we can do to stop the brokenness of the world all around us. It's like everywhere you look, there's stories of abuse and pain and hardship. And some of you are sitting here this morning going, man, even here, even this place, even here. And I go, we, we have this challenge as followers of Jesus going, what does it look like to step all the way down into the mess, but to not be defined by the mess that we find ourselves in. To have hearts that are anchored with the reality of where the human story is headed because of the grace and the power of Jesus. I love the way the Bible ends, Revelation 21, verse one through five. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, I love that. The new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and he will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe, listen to this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, 
There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. All of these things are gone forever. There's this moment where God himself is gonna reach down and his finger will wipe away every tear, every tear of abuse, every tear of hardship, every tear that has come from a child that died too soon, of a disease that did not go away, of an abuse that will not just leave your memory. The Lord himself is gonna reach down and he will heal. And the promise of scripture is not just that we have eternal life, but it's that in Christ we have eternal life completely separated from the, broken, the brokenness and the hardship and the pain that dominated your life here on earth. Like, what an unbelievable picture that is. Look at verse five, I love this. The one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. I'm making everything new. See, the cross is the place where our sins were forgiven. The resurrection became that moment where we received the down payment on the life that we'll one day get to experience fully. But the second coming of Jesus is going to be the moment where Jesus puts the pieces back together in brilliant ways that we can't even understand on this side of the story. And so as followers of Jesus, it gives us the ability to turn our faces into the wind, to walk into the storm, not in denial, not with some superficial level of, hey, we're gonna pick ourselves up to this. It gives us the ability to face the really difficult wounds of our lives because we know that in the kingdom of God, although our wounds will shape us, they do not define us and they certainly won't imprison us. That in Christ, in Christ, we will experience the newness of all things. And the longing of my heart as we have this difficult conversation is that, is that Jesus will not only begin to give us new levels of freedom and new levels of courage and new levels of boldness, but my desire as we invite Jesus in to shine light on these areas of brokenness is that we would start functioning more like a family and less like an organization. That we would begin to function like a family that has been put here by God to live out the kingdom of God in a world that desperately needs the healing touch of God. And today we're gonna be sent out of here and my, my prayer is that we wouldn't walk out of here scared or filled with timidity, but that we'd walk out of here with boldness, knowing that the enemy played his cards too soon and that Jesus has the final word. And so this, this morning, we're just gonna invite our church into this time of response. And for every one of us, this response time is gonna look different. You know, for some of you, you need to respond for prayers this morning. We're gonna have our, our elders up at our respond banner over my left shoulder. They're gonna be standing there. Uh, we have a respond team that's been trained for this, that, that knows how to handle some really difficult things. And here's, here's what I want you to know. If, if you come up for prayers this morning, nobody in this room is gonna make the assumption that you're coming up because you've been abused or you did the abusing. We, we come forward for prayer because we need Jesus. Amen? Can I, can I just get that back? So uh, there, will be no, um, there will be no subversive shaming in this church when people respond to God. And we'll cheer you on in that. So some of you today, you need to come and you just need to be prayed over and we'd love to do that. For some of you, you need to be connected with a counselor. We've got an amazing uh, team of professional 
licensed Christian counselors that we'd love to connect you with. And if, if, if you wanna talk with somebody, come up to the Respond Banner. Me or Aaron or Brooks or some of our pastoral team will be over there, our elders, uh, they're there. We'd love to connect you with some of our counseling options because we wanna see you get holistic healing. So for some of you, it's prayers today. For some of you, it's, it's counseling. Uh, for some of you, you wanna meet with one of the pastors on our team but if you're really honest, you're just scared to death. Your story is still too raw and, and you're not ready to walk up to that banner. And, and I just wanna give you the safest way I know how to do this. There's gonna be two email addresses on the screen. If you're a woman, I just invite you. Uh, if you wanna meet with one of our, our pastors on staff, one of our leaders, send an email to Katie Shinnick at ethoschurch.org. And Katie is a trusted pastor on our team, an amazing woman. She will serve as a liaison to connect you with another trusted woman on our team. For those of you that are men, invite you to email Aaron Etheridge. You can do this now in your seats. You can do this later when you get home. This information will be on the web as well. You can find it there. But for some of you, your story is too raw and it is too sacred to bring up and we understand that. We wanna give you a space to reach out and we will treat your story with unbelievable care. For some of, it's, for some of you, it's prayer. For some of you, it's counseling. For some of you, it's meeting with somebody on our pastoral team. For those of you that are parents, Next Sunday after the 11 o'clock, we're gonna have a special meeting up in the Mercy Lounge. And some of our pastors and some of our elders will just be there to answer any questions you have. We wanna give you the space to process this, to talk about this today when you're leaving. We'll be given an updated version of our, our child uh, safety policy, our, our child protection plan, and uh, read through that. Come next week after the 11, we'd love to talk with you. And we're here to d- disclose, to share, because we believe this is where God does his work. But for all of us, we think the response, the response is a moment of communion. And it's gonna be a, a moment where we commune with Jesus and we commune with each other. And as we go to the table of grace, as we take the bread and as we take the cup, we're reminded that it is out of God's love for us that he sent Jesus to die for us. And it, it is out of God's power and provision that he raised Christ for us. And so as we come to the table, as we take the bread and as we take the communion, we're reminded that Jesus can heal, that Jesus forgives, that Jesus restores, that Jesus redeems. And so as you take the bread and as you take the cup, I wanna invite you, come back to your seats, get in groups with people. Pray together, share together, confess together. Pray for our church, pray for this little boy, pray for the family, pray for all of the folks in our church that have been affected by things like this. And as the people of God together, let's turn our face into the wind. Because the one who spoke the wind into existence is with you. He's with us. Let's stand, I'm gonna pray, and we'll go to communion. Father, I I thank you. I thank you for your presence here among us this morning. And that God, we just, we grieve the reality of what's happened. God, you know my heart, my my eyes are are emptied of tears. Uh, God, my heart has been so troubled just by the reality of the brokenness of our world. And God, I would just ask that you would just meet us here in all of our individual stories and in our communal experience today and that you, Jesus, would do whatever you see fit, whatever it is that you choose to do. God, for every man and woman and child in this room that has experienced abuse of any level in their life, 
Jesus, would you yourself today meet them? Would you meet them around the communion? Would you meet them in this community? And Jesus, would you yourself show your love for them? God, for those that have done the hurting, God, would you bring conviction? Would you bring light into the darkness? <coughs> and would you be the perfect mixture of grace and truth, justice and mercy? Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. I love you. I love you. I'm so glad we get to be part of this family together. If you need prayers, come forward for prayers. Let's go to the communion tables.